You are listening to a good Catholic podcast. Uh, hello, podcast world. Welcome to a good Catholic podcast. I really have no idea where in the whole sequence we are right now, um, but you have either heard from this man before or you're about to hear from him for the first time. <laughs> so either way, it'll be a treat for all of us. <laughs> So without further ado, let me bring in one of my best friends in the entire New England world, Mr. Andrew Folsom. Hello, hello. Brad, hello. it's a pleasure to be here joining you in our conversation and all of our listeners. That's right. Yeah, we're at the Richmond House, which is where I lived for a year before getting married. So I, I consider it an upgrade. Not much of an upgrade, but a little bit of one. And so now I live with my beautiful <laughs> wife, but Andrew and I and two other guys Trav and Kev, um, who you may see at one point throughout our life cycle of a good Catholic podcast. But yeah, we lived in a house together mm. at the Richmond, which sounds a lot fancier than it actually is. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was a pretty good year. And Andrew actually taught me how to make booch, kombucha, yes, which we are right drinking now. at this time. So cheers to you, sir. Cheers, good buddy. What kind of uh, booch are we drinking? This is a raspberry ginger booch. It's been aging in the fridge probably about two weeks and... We had a new method with this one where we pureed all of the fruity ingredients that we put into this fermented tea, and it came out, I don't know, what'd you say, pretty good? Ah, pretty good, yeah. Much less a cleanup than usual. That's true. Yeah, so raspberries are pretty good. Was this like the last one of the batch? No, I think we got like eight left. Right. Getting low. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so Andrew introduced me to the booch, which we affectionately call, and... Uh, it's true. Yeah, it's really good. It's good for your gut. So anyone out there who is looking to have um, good number twos, you should uh, look into drinking this kombucha. On a regular basis? On a regular basis. Keeps you regular <laughs> if it's on the regular. <laughs> so, That's a good catchphrase. You know, you can trademark it if you want. Think about it. Yeah. So yeah, here we are uh, on the road. We're not in my house. We're in the basement of the Richmond mm-hmm. where we had many a good conversation. So this could probably just... Count that up for another one of those kind of conversations today. Um, but how has it been? You know, I, I haven't been here the day to day. So mm. what's been new in the Richmond? Well, half the men in the house are engaged. So it's been an interesting experience to be a fly on the wall for. Um, I think in many ways what we began this house as um, was, you know, as you know, it was a house of virtue you know, a house for men to grow together without being any sort of formal community, a place where we could get together and, and yeah, grow together. Um, and for a guy who never had a biological brother, I mean, for me, this has turned into one of those um, deeply transformative experiences. You know, I've gained brothers, and that to me is not something, again, that I ever thought I would have. I um, mean, you guys are become best friends in a deeper way. And I think that's the beauty of a, a house like this, which I don't think is unique to us. I think really the, the Catholic understanding of fraternity and what men get in existing in an environment where we try to uplift one another um, will bear fruit like this. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, so the house this year has been very much like that last year. Um, we had those good talks, and we still have those good talks. I'd say it's a little tougher because the guys are very busy. One of our roommates works down in Mystic, and you know his whole life is essentially down in the— Southern Connecticut, and for all of our listeners out there who don't understand Connecticut geography, we are a solid hour away from any of that. So the poor guy's going an hour each way. He's not around much, but uh, it's been good. It's been good. And uh, I will admit it's been a year of solitude on my part in many ways, which probably will be a little relevant to what we're talking about. Right. Um, good solitude. 
not always easy solitude, but learning how to exist on your own with the Lord, you know, and confront all the good and bad that that solitude brings. Well, that's some good stuff. <laughs> Super duper. Uh, episode within, within an episode today <laughs> on a good Catholic podcast. Um, so what's, what's your favorite memory? That'd be tough to put into one, but I would say my favorite category of memory sure. would be the memories where we've been able to put the world aside, even if only for an hour or a couple of hours and bond together, you know, where we bought the chainsaw and we went outside and we just chop wood for a couple hours, you know, or where we've taken an hour to brew kombucha or sat down in the basement and watched the office. I mean, it's very simple experiences and praying together at night. Yeah. Even for 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. Kev was great about that. Kev was the guy who would always be there to <laughs> knock like this. We have a, what is it? Like he has a, a mallet. A mallet. Yeah. A gavel. A gavel. That's yeah. what it is. You got a gavel. Yeah. Some weird gavel that Andrew had. So every night at 930, he would go and he would just be knocking that gavel on our mantle and just yelling at us all to come pray. And all of us curmudgeons would just stomp down the, the stairs. <laughs> but he kept us, he kept us honest. Um, yeah. I, I, a close second for me would be the when we got the wood not this year but last year. Yeah. Um, and we had just we had a cord of wood just thrown in our front yard, <laughs> and we had no chainsaw, but our buddy had a chainsaw, so we completely ruined part of our yard. Yeah. And we had wood yeah. there for probably like a week, two weeks of we were just smashing it and splitting it. Um, it was great. Yeah. A lot of fun. It was really good. So that was number two, but number one. Um, so. At the wedding, I had a one second a day video for all you listeners who aren't in our life. But here you go, a sneak peek. Um, I made a video and snap on your iPhone that you can split, splice together one second videos every day. Like it does all of the processing for you. It's a really cool app. Um, and so I did that for a year. And there was one couple of days within that entire video, right? So probably like three or four seconds of that video um, was a time that I think you and I were just, Andrew and I were hanging out on the back. Uh, we have a sunroom, right? So beautiful little area in the spring or summer, not in the winter because it's really cold. But we were just hanging out there on our chairs. And then I'm messing with my seedlings for the garden. And I have the video on because I'm like, oh, I need to do my one second of video a day thing. And so Andrew and I are just messing around. And then I look over, and we don't know that Travis is coming home, but he comes home, and we're just like acapella, just saying hello. <laughs> so that I think is just like a, a little peek into kind of just the randomness, but the awesomeness of how our house was. Yes. So that would be number one for me, and I'm glad I captured it. That's on, a good on one. Video. But um, yeah, you kind of mentioned um, what we're talking about today, right? We'll, we'll just kind of get into it. Um, how our, our life the last year was awesome, you know? Um, there was ups and downs, of course, all that stuff, um, especially with relationships. Um, <coughs> yeah, coughs, sicknesses, <coughs> death by kombucha. Keep going. No, it's all right. <coughs> we'll, we'll let you finish. Oh, you're too kind. <coughs> Good. <coughs> yeah, so, you know, just like that, through the thick and thin, we were there. Um, but some of the times we're, we're tough, you know, throughout mm-hmm. everyone's life, there's going to be some low moments. Um, and really something that I've been praying about, thinking about trying to go through in my own life, um, is this idea of like spiritual s- seriousness. 
Um, you know, I've heard some people talk about like acedia, right? You yeah. Know, the noonday devil. The noonday devil. That's a really hard thing to say back to back. Uh, but the noonday devil that would come in and like just create a, an immense sadness, you know, um, for the spiritual fathers at, at the middle of the day. So it's kind of like their greatest temptation came during that acedia moment. Yeah. Um, so kind of like the sadness or this kind of seriousness. And not necessarily to talk about what acedia is, but um, that idea of seriousness in our spiritual life. And I kind of, you know want to open that up a little bit today because yeah for me it's it's easy to be very um i guess focused or fixed on a on a spiritual uh, movement you know whatever may be that season of Mm -hmm. my life you know so if i've got a lot going on i'm stressed you know maybe i'm not living up to the the standard that i want for myself you know if i'm not praying or if i'm not you know being virtuous in my life that the seriousness can um take over and it could become very oppressive to the point of I just basically only focus on the seriousness and I only focus on the bad mood that I'm in. And so I won't necessarily look at in my prayer to being thankful or being joyful. I kind of lose all sense of that. And so then I just become grumpy for like two weeks and then my wife has to put up with it. Um, so I, maybe, you know, what you think about that, Andrew, but I think that that is something that affects a lot of people, um, especially whenever you're trying to grow in the spiritual life and you're trying to become, that was my pop <laughs> cover that just fell down, uh, <laughs> trying to become more virtuous and then you realize just how much further you have to go and it can, you know, be very um, immobilizing at times. Oh, yeah. So what do you think about that? I think you hit on a bunch of really interesting points and good ones. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of us can suffer from uh, a sort of spiritual tunnel vision where, like you're saying, I mean, there's there's one issue at hand, and I think, you know, you feel like until you reach, you know, you're at point A, right? And until I reach point C in this particular spiritual or, or personal venture, then I'll be unable to advance in any other area of my life, which is exactly what the devil wants. I mean, that's that there you go, because you'll get rooted in a spot and you are inevitably doomed as a human because we fail, right? That's, 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 that's you know, it's, it's our broken nature. But I think there's a necessity on our part to not get lost. <laughs> you know, what, what is it, looking at, you get lost, uh, by looking at the trees in the forest, you lose sight of the bigger picture. Yeah. I think I think there's that risk, and there is a need to let go, at points of that one problem, or challenge, or whatever it is, and and see the bigger picture, which is a life filled with blessing and filled with joy. You know, I mean, we could probably look to our Savior in the Scripture. You know, how many times. <laughs> Talk about like having one issue <laughs> pressing on you the entire time, you know, and still being able to, in the midst of that, live a life that was completely full. Um, I don't think we could have any better model than Jesus. Right. And all of us aren't crossed to go, or, you know, sorry, called to ascend across, you know, right. in that way. So I think, I think you're hitting on a lot there. Um, there's a lot to it. I think it's worth unpacking a little bit. Yeah, uh, definitely. And, Kind of, we've been talking a little bit about Chesterton and his mm-hmm. orthodoxy. Um, you know, you're a little bit more fluent. I'm working my way through it right now um, because I've just heard so many good things about it. Yeah. So, um, this idea that he brings up, um, 
I think could really could really help us kind of understand what we're what we're called to be, you know, and where we're called to go in spite of the seriousness. Like the seriousness isn't bad or that feeling of just being inadequate isn't bad, but it's um, often for us to kind of, you know, like in the scriptures, ride the storm out a little bit, um, but be confident that Jesus is going to pull us through. He's going to get us through there. So I don't know if you want to kind of overview it for us, uh, what Chesterton, Chesterton talks about. Yeah. I like what you're bringing up there too. I think it might all, might also be helpful to phrase it in terms of putting each thing in its appropriate place, right priorities, you know. Um, <clears throat> I think we'd want to take a look at two people. I think Chesterton is one and Joseph Peeper is another one. I, I love know you're Peeper. Them, huh? I am, <laughs> if you want to read Peeper's, uh, he talks about like leisure as the basis of culture. Be prepared to just read every paragraph 20 times because world. oh yeah it's everything is so dense but so good so continue no i think i think exactly exactly that i mean it did the, the in those dense pages and in chesterton who is i think pithy to the point of of agony sometimes in trying to like unpack his his very loaded jokes and quips i think you find freedom and i think that's the greatest message especially of chesterton whether you're reading that very thick book, Orthodoxy, which is awesome, but it is, you know, there's a lot to it. Or, or one of his, he wrote an essay on cheese, you know, <laughs> the essay when wine is red. I mean, one, I think one of the greatest claims about Chesterton or of Chesterton is that some of the, the most valuable things in our spiritual life are valuable not because of their intrinsic practical use, because they're useless. Faith is useless. There's nothing in this world that people would make a rational argument um, faith can be used to make better, right? Because <clears throat> like practically, Christianity doesn't have a monopoly on, on being ethical. That's not something you can be like, oh, faith makes you ethical. Like, no, there are ethical people who are faithful, mm -hmm. right? And maybe it enhances your ethics. But, but the beauty of Chesterton is that you see a Christian life that is free, and he is, I mean, Bishop Barron actually listed him as one of the pivotal players in his recent DVD series, you know, the sequel to Catholicism, which we should also, everyone should watch that. Um, but <clears throat> Chesterton's a guy who would find as much joy kicking a stick down the road as he would, you know, arduously reading over some, some tome from early Christianity. The guy said that there's, there's joy to be found in just whistling for the sake of whistling. And that in and of itself is actually a fruit of his Christian freedom. It's, it's amazing. And it really is, you know, you go back to John 10, 10, when our Lord tells us, you know, I want you to have a life that is full, life to the fullest. Mm -hmm. I mean, what better example could we have in terms of careless joy than Chesterton? And it's not careless in the sense that like, it's sinful. In fact, it's rightly ordered care. He knows when to be serious. And you could tell the guy knew when like, seriousness has to be put on the back burner, kind of like you're getting at, yeah. you know? And I think Chesterton can teach us a greater lesson about that than most other people. Maybe second only to, you know, Joseph Pieper. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to Pieper in a second. Yeah. I'm definitely a pro-Pieper person. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I love him. Uh, but I, kind of what you're going off on is this idea of, you know, right time and space. You know, not being disordered, right. even in our disorder. You know, uh, even in our times where we are despairing or not despairing despairing in, in 
a sense of spiritual sense, but just kind of like every hope is lost. Like this issue that I'm going through is the worst thing ever. Um, kind of just obsessing over that fact, mm. which is definitely, I think, um, for a time and in a place, very, very good to be able to, in prayer, kind of go to those areas where um, maybe you aren't, you literally aren't living up to um, the call that God has given you. Sure. But to also know that I have hope and I know that the person in which I am worshiping right now will pull me through. I I have full hopeful confidence, right, um, that Jesus will make himself known in whatever I'm going through and whatever um, issue it may be. So uh, I think that's a very key part of all of this. And Chesterton, you know, who lived a life of joy, was probably more able than most to see the hard parts of his day and age. I mean, he was living through some of the greatest upheavals of our, you know, world. Certainly um, philosophically, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so he was able to say, you know, okay, like this is some deep, deep stuff. You know, ideologies are changing, but the person in which I have my hope, my ideas, my ideals, um, they, that person does not change. And then I will, you know, be able to continue to follow that in spite of whatever happens. So okay. seriousness and is great. It's it's good. It's, it's, it's something that allows us to maybe um, go a little deeper. It allows us to kind of be more mindful of the true issue at hand, um, but not to the point where we lose hope that God will uh, pull us through, bring us out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in terms of, you know, assessing the enemy, I think there needs to be a level of seriousness. And you can tell he did that with his own level of seriousness. And I mean, just to go back to why I think we can derive even more value from some of his writings and his journey is that Chesterton was brought really kicking and screaming to the, the the philosophical conclusion that like orthodox Christianity is the truth. I mean, the beginning of that book, right? He tells about how he kind of, you know, the guy who thought he rediscovered England was essentially Chesterton's journey to, in his own way, finding truth and then realizing that all the truths he espoused were actually Christianity. And in his works, you see that seriousness. He is, you could tell, he really wrestled with that stuff. But at the end of the day, he knows that the grace of God is so much bigger than all of that. And when you're living in that grace, all of the other stuff, you can kind of take with a measure of, as he did, kind of tongue-in-cheek humor. Mm-hmm. And and you can and the beauty of it is all of those those thinkers who in that book and in his writings, you could tell he was not only wrestling with professionally, but like openly debating verbally verbally in public, like he was good friends with them because he was able to let that go at the end of the day. And that seriousness didn't even destroy his ability to befriend his ideological opponents. Yeah, it's something we need today, right? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, well, to Chesterton, we uh, raise a glass of booch and we say a grandiose thank you. Cheers. So um, you mentioned Peeps. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about him. Let's break it down. So how does kind of this idea go into Peeper? Well, I'll, I'll have to be upfront by saying like, I haven't read Peeper in about three years, but I was you know, affected by his book deeply. And I think this idea gets into his description of, which is actually interesting when you think about it, because he is quite serious in his, his, the way he prioritizes, but he basically says that like taking time to have leisure is the foundation that our humanity rests on. 
which is a pretty profound thing that I don't think many of us consider, even in the spiritual life. Mm -hmm. You know, like time. The other night, I, we were sitting in a chair. Travis, John, and I we were, you know, doing night prayer. Right? Yeah. We talked about. We sat and we finished, but we sat in the chair for ten minutes and did nothing. And all of us were struck by the by two things. One, how good that felt, and how refreshing it was. And two, we were we, we were really surprised about the fact that like. Or we'd never done that. Like we had, it had been months since yeah. I'd taken ten minutes to sit in a chair and uh -huh. be like, you know, there's nothing of value I'm doing right now. But I was more able to reflect on the goodness of life in those ten minutes doing nothing than in all of the minutes spent furiously praying and reading and working and running and and shopping and you know doing whatever. Right. And I think that's what Peeper gets at a little bit. Right. Is that it's those times when you just look at art with no ulterior objective that it becomes beautiful. He says learning is good just because it's good. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's what Peeper gets at. And you can see why he and Chesterton dovetail in their kind of appreciation of the useless, if you will. Mm. Yeah, for, for the sake of getting to know what the useful is. Yes. Um, so yeah, for, for the book that we're talking about, it's the title is Culture, the Basis of, or Leisure, the Basis of Culture. Yeah. And it's by Joseph Peeper. P-I-E-P-E-R, I believe. P-I-P. -E yeah. Google it, you'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's good. He, he's writing after World War II in Germany. He's a German philosopher, and he does a lot of theological philosophy, you know, oh, yeah. so he brings in his Catholic faith into this. But he's basically yelling at his German counterparts, his whole nation of people who are rebuilding from a war mm. in which Germany was leveled. He's saying, guys, like we can't only focus on reworking and rebuilding this 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 country, um, this culture. We also have to take time to allow God into that and to allow ourselves to leisure, because that leisure will allow us to work better. Um, so basically, warning his society that if all they are focused on is rebuilding their brokenness as soon as possible. Um, with and if they do that without having a sense of leisure, then they're doomed because the culture will fall apart. And um, he really hits that, you know, to to kind of hit again on what Andrew just said about this idea of learning versus just, um, I guess, abiding in or in receiving. So he uses that art um, discussion, that art example, as one of where work basically is looking at a piece of art and saying. I'm going to critique critique this and figure it out, and I'm going to learn everything I can out about this piece of art um, just by looking at it. I mean, that's what work is. But he counteracts that by saying, well, we have to be able to leisure and to leisure well by just looking at that piece of art and saying, oh, that is a beautiful gift, and I'm just going to take it. I'm going to receive it. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm yeah. just going to accept it for what it is, uh, for the beauty and goodness that it is, you know not just accepting it in its inferior form, but accepting it as a gift from God in its fullness. Yeah, and you could even wonder, like, uh, what is it if we, maybe to put him into context, if you put him in the 21st century social media culture, mm -hmm. you know, he might ask you, okay, you have all these great experiences, right, that you take all these pictures of. Maybe one of those experiences, he would encourage you to have the moment with all your friends and don't take any pictures. Exactly. That no one else knows about right. it. And it's not good because of the value it adds to your profile or anything like that, but that it's good in and of itself. Right. Yeah, and, and to abide in it. Yeah. You know, and I think that hits on the spiritual nature and it's dense, right? So mm -hmm. um, 
definitely take a highlighter and a marker to write down your notes. <laughs> but um, the idea of abiding, and that's what Jesus tells us to abide in him, right? Like he is the vine, we are the branches, like to abide in that. And if we aren't able to abide because we don't take time to just receive, um, then we're going to lose sight of the very nature of who Jesus is. Like he is God and he wants us to know him, but more than anything, to be able to just be with him. Um, And the same thing with Chesterton, like this idea of not being, don't be overly workful in your prayer. You know, don't go in and try to figure everything out all the time. If you don't have time to just contemplate and sit and receive, um, you, it's very easy to fall into that despair, that acedia, that um, type of spiritual seriousness that we've been talking about. So Peeper, I, I love, and he taught me a lot because I am one to not leisure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's very difficult. If I sat in any place still for five minutes, I would lose my mind. Um, like I was in, for my honeymoon, I was in the Alps, in the Swiss Alps. And it was hard for me to just sit on a hill on a mountainside and just look around because I felt like I had to go do something, um, which is not good, podcast world. Don't be <laughs> like me. Um, so I, this, I, I love this concept that Peeper is, is really getting at. And so um, for us today, especially, um, if there are moments where you are like, man, I'm just feeling way too, um, I guess, um, oppressed by whatever seriousness or whatever thing is happening in my spiritual life, Maybe introduce some leisure, like Chesterton. Go whistle while you walk down the street, even yeah. if it's only for 20 minutes. You know, go for just a nice jog just because. Or just go, um, I don't know, look at some art or read a book. Sit in one place and just don't do anything, um, which I guarantee, excuse me, I just um, had to cough, right? Um, <laughs> it's the booch, man. It, it just clears everything out. So, uh, yeah, like just sit in a chair and recognize how hard that might be, um, Mm -hmm. but then also give thanks for God for the struggle of what lesson of abiding that is. Um, I had a a teacher whenever I was in focus. He he was a priest, rector um, of a seminary out west. He came and he talked to all the missionaries about abiding in the chair, of just being present in the chair. And he meant this like Jesus tells us to abide in him, right? And for us in our spiritual life, that picture something that allows you to just be, like you were just sitting in a chair spiritually, just staring at Jesus. For him, his example was a rainbow. Every time he saw a rainbow in the sky, he was like, oh, God loves me, okay. And he just sat there and he abided, whatever the past tense of that is, um, in the rainbow. Uh, And for us, if that's like a song or if that's just um, uh, a talk, maybe a spiritual talk by somebody, or if it's a piece of art, or if it's um, a sunset, you know, if sunsets really speak to you in that way, go do something where you can just be and be present. Whatever beautiful thing or good thing, um, I really encourage us all to do that. So for me, I, I like the sunsets, we were watching a movie the other day mm. and it was icy and snowy and crazy here. It was right after an Arctic blast. Yeah. And um, yeah, Trav, Andrew and I were watching Lord of the Rings and all of a sudden, because we live on the top, well, the Richmond house is on top of the hill. There was this beautiful sunset that right was just now, streaming yeah. through the, the icy, you know, tree branches and the color of the sky was beautiful. And we stopped our movie and just looked at it. And it was crazy. So um, it was very, it was a great, it was a unique time to have. And that just reminded me of, hey, when there's a beautiful sunset, when there's a beautiful thing, just receive it. 
Even if that means, you know, in 10 minutes you go back to the hectic craziness of your life or the seriousness of whatever is at hand, um, are you able to give God the glory and the thanks to, to bring you out of that? Um, are you willing to give him that honor and glory to bring you out of it? So it's a really tough thing to do. But a good thing. Yeah, it's very easy and um, feels good sometimes to just sit and how hard everything is, you know. Yeah, the I mean, woe is me mentality. My dad used to always <laughs> yell at me because I would always be a woe is me kind of kid. Like if, the, if I didn't get what I wanted, he was like, all right, are you moping right now? And then I would just get so mad at him because, yes, I was, but I wanted it my way. How dare you. Yep. Hmm. So how can we take this now, Andrew? I know we just talked a lot and we're getting towards the end here, but how do we take this into our lives? You know, how, yeah. how do we look outward, right? A big thing that we like to talk about on, on the show, right, is how do we take this into our world? Um, because it's easy to talk about these things. It's very difficult to actually do them. I mean, advice that was helpful for me um, actually came when I attended a bar mitzvah recently, uh, of all things, uh, for my, my buddy's son. And I was there. I was struck by the, the Judaic focus on the universal blessing that is the world that we live in that God has given us and how at all times we praise him by thanking him for just any number of things. And I think a great takeaway for us, I think with that in mind, and I know for me personally it's been, is to just every morning thank God for three things. Very simple. Just say thank you for three things. Even if they're not the easiest, just that act alone, cultivating, I think, a spirit of gratitude might help us to open our eyes on the day-to-day and see that in spite of all the challenges, you've got air in your lungs, God loves you, and this world is literally made for you to grow closer to him and be joyful in that process. Three things be thankful for. And much like I think we get prayer advice every day, um, it's probably helpful to, just as you are told, all of us, right, start with five, ten minutes of prayer. How many of us have gotten that line before, right? Right. Yeah. Well, have you ever gotten five, ten minutes of nothing? Take five, ten minutes, like you said, go on a walk. Mm-hmm. Five, ten minutes, go drink a cup of tea with nothing else in your hand. That's impossible. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> I've got too much to do. But there you go. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's small steps, you know, small right. steps. Just and, and small steps of, you know, like, like <laughs> with much ado about nothing. Like just relax. And I know that's hard for, I'm really bad at that. But yeah. that's been hugely fruitful in my life. Is that when you recognize an opportunity, when you're with friends and you have the option of like about an hour ago and you're like, hey, you want to do this thing? You got other things you got to do? Yeah. And I was like, no, we're going to do this for an hour. I'm going to remember this for the rest of, you know. Today. I was going to say week, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's where we start. Right. Small steps. Right. What about you? Uh, yeah, I, I think for me, um, this idea of thinking more along the lines of being hopeful, um, mm. you know, not necessarily thinking that this is the end of all things um, to get out of that despair, but to look and be like, God, God wants me um, to get out of this. So um, I think that that requires putting yourself in that position of being outside of the seriousness. So I love what you're saying about the three things. Mm. Um, I, I would also say is find, you know, Keep Sunday the, the leisure day. Keep mm-hmm. it the sa- keep it the Sabbath. That was a chair. <laughs> sure, it was. yeah. Uh, it's not the booch talking yet. <laughs> so find like a Sunday. If you if you don't 
do anything. If you're in a habit of working on Sunday or allowing yourself to be busy on Sunday, I know for school, for people in school and people with crazy jobs, crazy hours, that's hard. But find some sort of Sabbath in your week to where you're really able to say, no, this is my protected time. Hopefully Sunday, you know, so you can be with other people who are off on Sundays as well. But if it needs to be a Saturday where you're like, I have to work on Sunday, that's just a no way around it. Find a Saturday or find a day where you can just be um, and find those times for leisure. It's really, really difficult, but our world more than anything else, our society, our Christian culture needs people, disciples who are able to abide, um, right? We are called to it by Jesus. And if we aren't in a habit of of abiding or just being with others, how are we going to be the same with Jesus? It's going to be almost impossible. Um, So to make that human habit of just finding time throughout your week. So I encourage everyone, yeah, for me is I love your three things in the morning, um, but then also like some sort of Sabbath, either on Sunday or on Saturday to work your schedule around. And if I might expand on that a little bit, I I think part part of that thought also comes from the need to not feel like this is just another check that you have to get done on your list, which is inexorably going to grow and yeah. make us feel more stressed out. I mean, if the opposite of stressed out is relaxed, and that's our goal here, um, like finding a way to let go a little bit of the control that you think you have over life because you don't. Right. You know, I think, wasn't it Father Jacques Philippe said that the highest form of prayer is when we finally get before the sacrament and find that we have nothing to say. Yeah. Well, Mother Teresa, you know, what do you do whenever you pray? She says, I look at Jesus and he looks at me. There you go. Yeah. You know, and I I think that sense that like you don't, you're not running the ship. You're not. And and, and the sooner you can divorce yourself from that mentality, the more peaceful your life's going to be. Right. You know, maybe start with the, what is it? The serenity prayer, you know, Mm -hmm. might not hurt. Ask God for the grace. I mean, when this all comes back to it, like, like, he'll give you the grace you need to live a joyful life. Ask him for the help. Lord, help me find the space in my schedule to find leisure, to exist in you. Right. You know, those sorts of things. I love it, man. Yeah, so just take these couple of uh, encouragements from, quite honestly and truthfully, these are areas that I know both Andrew and I have uh, struggled with over Amen. the last few years, and we're still struggling with them. So we're just offering advice that have been given to us by, you know, our spiritual directors, friends, um, each other. Mm. So um, don't be hopeless. Don't fall into despair. Encourage yourself because we need people who are able to go out and evangelize just by who they are. Um, You know, that's required as well. You know, you need to know all the things where you should know as much as you can, but you should also be able to live the life of virtue and and, uh, serenity and peace and leisure. So we just encourage you that today, podcast world, to go out and uh, do nothing. You know, amen. Amen to that. So we're on the ropes here. Uh, we're getting to the end of our time, but we just want to say thank you to uh, our friend, Mr. Chesterton and Mr. Peeper. Thank the, you, fellas. Thank you. You're both dead, but um, hopefully we, in heaven, hopefully in heaven. And one day we will just do nothing together in heaven mm. if we make it. So that's for a uh, shout out to them. We also say thank you to um, Andrew for this kombucha. Thank you, Booch. Thank you, Booch. We love you. Um, also, uh, to all our people out there, <laughs> our uh, peeper people out there who are <laughs> <laughs> who are listening to us, uh, Zach couldn't make it today, so we are without our fearless um, comrade, Mr. Zachary Weiner, who is out prepping for a Super Bowl somewhere. But he'll be back, don't you worry. 
And to thank you for Andrew for either for his first time being with us or for a second or third. We don't know. We're just starting, guys. We'll, we'll put this together sometime in the a future. A pleasure. A pleasure. So, uh, podcast world, if you have any questions, thoughts, comments, complaints, um, whatever, send them to us <laughs> at a good Catholic con- good Catholic podcast at gmail.com. And then you can find us on the uh, interwebs wherever good podcasts are sold, either on iTunes or Spotify. You can also listen to us there. Um, I think Google also has a podcast service. Wherever you get your podcasts, search A Good Catholic Podcast. We're the most user-friendly, search-friendly podcast out there. We've got too many search terms in our name, but whatever. So uh, search for us, listen to us, tell us how we can do better, um, recommend us to your mother, whatever you want. And uh, until next time, we will see you on A Good Catholic Podcast. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.